If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds. And while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The Glass Noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 117 of Confessions of a Marketer, let's get planning. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Danielle Savin of Capgemini is back in to continue our chat about marketing the holidays. We'll get to her in just a moment. Next time, Justin Christensen on optimization. Rob Patterson of AWeber is on deck to talk about the state of email marketing. Nathan Hirsch will help us pick the right freelancers, and Philip Stutz will discuss the politics of marketing. Plus, we have former SVP of Overstock.com, Jeff Atkinson, in for a chat about SEO. We also have Jeff Hahn, who's principal of Apron, an agency focused on marketing and PR in the food business, coming in soon to chat about that interesting area of the world. We also have Jeff Hahn, who's principal of Apron, an agency focused on marketing and PR in the food business. And we will be speaking with Mel Edwards, global CEO of Wonderman Thompson, shortly after the new year. A lot of great stuff in store, so stay tuned. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. All right, back to Danielle Savin. We talk about some retailers of the past, some lessons learned, customer experiences, what retailers can do to prepare for next year and the 2020 holiday season, including things like voice search, SEO, cashless payments, AI, predictive analytics, and of course, the importance of data. But to start, I reminisce about working for a retailer early on in my marketing career. So let's get to it. I was at this retailer called Bleachmere in the late 80s, early 90s. And that's where I worked for the CEO. And they had a very sophisticated mainframe computer. 
and they knew a lot about their customers. They had a credit card, and they could correlate you know, sales to people, and they had a circular that went in the newspaper every Sunday, and they were very scientific about the way that they approached you know, the business of retail. Unfortunately, the company doesn't exist anymore. That's another story. That could be a <laughs> podcast series. But the idea that sophistication in marketing is a new thing that came up with digital is just wrong. And so I think especially in the area you were talking about cataloging and, you know, sending a thick catalog to a customer, you know, you have to be very sure that that's the right person to send it to, right? And so all the all the research around that to me is fascinating and forms the, you know, kind of underpinnings for the modern digital age, I think, those kinds of disciplines that were learned. Obviously, digital opens us up to, you know, amazing possibilities, but understanding the underpinnings of it is really important. I agree. And I, and I feel like we're in a more advanced place now. I, it's really just, I felt like we got really dumb for 10 years. Yeah. That was one thing. And the other thing is just the lack of adaption. I, and I know this is so many years ago and you had, and, and still to this day, we've had so many chapters in the last two to three years, even the last 12 months of just names that have been around for 50, 60, 70 years plus that have closed their doors because the lack of adaption. So not investing in, in, in upfront in digital, you know, in, as far as a channel to sell was another, like, I think, mistake on many retailers' part. And many of them paid that price for them, the ultimate price. And then just, I think Amazon, and you know, has changed the game. Really now, when I, I work with clients, I say, Who's, you know, we don't talk about like who does the best in your category anymore. We talk about what does the consumer expect? Because whether if you're B2B or B2C or you're selling luxury items or you're selling wrenches, the consumer expects the same thing. They expect what they're getting on Amazon. So you may not have the budget, but it's really like how do you at least continue to evolve based upon what you expect as a consumer. So that's another thing I think that I'm seeing at least more adaption of, but there's just, they've been fighting it for so long, especially retailers that had a, that grew out of brick and mortar. Yeah, I guess if digital is analogous to the Christmas season, if you haven't adopted digital, you're, we're kind of in November of the digital season, aren't we? I mean, it's kind of late to start thinking about going digital. Yeah, I wasn't saying that. I was more just about my frustrations of being mm. a consultant and a marketer for so long and watching, you know, retailers like Gymboree or Charlotte Russe or Payless or Diesel or Sears or Barney. Well, Barney's a whole different thing. But like David Bridal, I can go on and on. And it's not that they didn't adapt. They didn't adapt fast enough and they didn't look where they should put their money or mm. they were stuck in leases. It's just the adaption wasn't fast enough or did not meet the expectations of their customer. Or Sears. Oh, I well, mean, Sears, I think yeah. That's Sears just sad. Is a, I'm sorry, Sears. It's a Chicago yeah, company too. <laughs> yeah, and it's, but that's, that's not just digital. They were struggling 30 years ago. They were. You know, and I think that they were kind of hampered even more by the move to digital in this world. But they had their challenges 30 years ago. They did. And it wasn't anything new. And the CEO that I worked for said about Sears that if bullshit were music, they'd be a brass band. <laughs> 
Yeah. They, you know, and it's funny because I've had a lot of, I guess, peers work for them. And really, they didn't know what they wanted to be. And they tried to build yeah. all their technology in-house. And you're a retailer. And really, I always tell retailers that talk about proprietary systems or are technology-led, meaning that they're led by a technology organization. I said, that's not your business. You know, think about what you do well and what you're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is make money and, and service a customer or win a customer. Right. Yeah. And that service is a really critical word, isn't it, for the brick-and-mortar retailers. And I loved the quote from the CEO of Williams-Sonoma, who said that digital didn't kill brick-and-mortar retailers. The lack of service killed them. I agree. When you go to a store, having a good experience is really important. And little things can make that difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. Being greeted at the door, having, you know, checking out, having a good loyalty program, you know, checking out and then looking you up. And that's why they're collecting your information so they can email you or they can SMS you. But really just feeling that you are special and that it's a good experience. I mean, as a marketer, I know a lot of things and we're not looking at like Mary Smith, but we are looking at you as a segment living X amount of miles and that you like X, Y, and Z, and this is what you may do. But just really, you know, having that type of service in your store. and But that does expand to digital because we know people used to call it, I'm going to go into multi-channel or omni-channel, but really it's about the brand. So yeah. we really like to say commerce now, but it's really that the customer doesn't care you know, they want to like buy where they want to buy. They want to return where they want to return. They want to go into their history and know what color lipstick they purchased from a store online. They, they really expect the brand to know this. And it's really been very difficult even for the brands that are doing it or the retailers are doing an amazing job even to keep up with that just based upon that, you know, technology can be expensive. Yeah. So let's turn our attention to next year. What do retailers and manufacturers need to do now to kind of prepare for the next retail year? Well, yeah, they're in budgeting right now. And so, you know, what, what we're seeing as like trends, and a lot of these trends are repetitive and, and then they come, become really important. So sometimes they start out as bells and whistles. And I sort of brought that out with social selling. Social selling is really important depending on what you're selling and where your customers are. And I probably would have said, have it on your top 10 list three or four years ago, but it was emerging. But now it's, you know, it's table stakes, depending on what you're selling. Voice search, also same thing. I probably would have said a few years ago, yes, I think, you know, Siri and Alexa and Bixby and other platforms that, you know, you search, you know, it's something you should have taken into consideration. But now, you know, our whole SEO department has we have a department around voice search because how I order something or look up something or find something or educate myself on something via how I speak to a device is different how I write it. And so it's really understanding that and teaming with an agency or having the right people internally to make sure that, you know, you're coming up obviously first. And if your customer or a consumer is looking for what you offer. I think mobile payments, we've talked about a long time. It's not just PayPal. You know, we're in the world of cashless, which 
we could argue. We have enough. We have a total podcast on cashless, but oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I think it's going to be huge. I mean, carrying a wallet will be you know a thing of the past pretty soon. Well, I know. Is it either? It's either Denmark or Sweden that actually have gone cashless. There is a country out there, but it's making sure that you know you've integrated. You know a lot about your customer, but really, if it's Apple Pay or if it's Android Pay or whatever, that you give them all those options, especially, and those options are different whether you are in a physical location or you are on a digital channel. I do see if you're in the business, and I'd be happy to tell a story about same day delivery in an on demand economy because they're expecting what Amazon does. And I will say I had a great experience recently on Nordstrom's. They're really, I think Nordstrom's does a great job. They're fantastic at cutting edge and really understanding what customers want. But I live three blocks from Nordstrom's, but yet I still go online to order. And so, and they would go to my UPS store. That's how lazy I am in the winter in Chicago. (laughs) So I, I got to the checkout and it said for $10, would you like us to Uber this to you? And I'm like, Oh, yeah. And that was an amazing (laughs) experience. But things like that just resonate with me and really create loyalty. But that's, I think, where retailers need to be. What can they do? And, you know, they just need to look at their customers and really segment them and treat them not individually, but definitely, you know, create an illusion of treating them individually. Yeah. And that's all data, right? That's all. Um, it having, is. It's all having data. Data and structured data for voice search and things like that that are critically important. Yes, they are. And it's, yes, and I would say data has always been important. It goes back to our days and catalog, but it's even more important now. And also just the expectation and the cost. You know, what are you going to use with that data? And how yeah. much money did you spend in order to get that answer? We've kind of covered a little bit here, but are there any other trends that marketers need to pay attention to in 2020? You know, over the last few years, you know, we've seen, or several years, I'd say the subscription-based business model, even if you're not like Fabletics and you're not just based on subscriptions. Sephora opened one for sampling because everybody loves their samples and it's tied to their loyalty program. But there's any product or service I'm seeing that you can create reoccurring revenue from, you're going to create better loyalty. So I see a lot more of that. We're speaking to our clients about that. And is there anything within their catalog or product assortment or services that they can utilize as reoccurring revenue that really helps, you know, both the the brand as well as creates loyalty for the consumer. And then AI, you know, we've been talking about that. Really, it's data. And it's really just, you know, algorithms becoming smarter and so really just, again, we talked about predictive analytics, you know, having smarter computers and algorithms, you know, just really understanding that and continuing testing it to make sure that you're moving the needle on, I guess, satisfaction, which would relate to conversion. Yeah. It's a complex business. It is. <laughs> and that's why you're here, right? I, yes, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining me, Danielle. This was really, really fun digging into this. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this holiday season plays out. From all indications, we're going to have a really good holiday season. Yeah. Maybe next year you can join me in June or July and we can talk about the holiday from that point of view with a little bit of time to plan. That would be great. I'd love to. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me. Okay. Thanks so much and happy holidays. 
All right, we will definitely have Danielle back next year. Can't wait. Next time, though, Justin Christensen on optimization. So stay with us. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home-free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.